Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel according to John in the 10th chapter, but it's really important to remember that this follows the events just before known as the story of the man born blind. And so we will come back to that later to set this passage in its context. But let us listen together for what the Spirit is saying to the church. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So friends, today has a special name, this fourth Sunday in the season of Easter. We call it Good Shepherd Sunday, and thank you, Ariana, for getting our hearts and minds in the right frame of mind for this. While calling to mind these beautiful and tender images, there are so many throughout Scripture, which I feel like we have heard a lot recently including Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And others, like from the prophet Isaiah, he will lead his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with her young. And of course, we know Jesus the Good Shepherd from the parables of Matthew and Luke, where he leaves the 99 and goes off in search of that one lost lamb. We've also seen through Holy Week, Jesus on the cross compared to the sacrificial lamb. So many images already get us prepared for Good Shepherd Sunday. And Jesus begins our passage for today, implying the same image that he is the shepherd of the sheep. And the line immediately following what we read today says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But then we have this passage in between, a little bit of a wrench thrown in all of this, a little bit of a a muddle, a sort of collage of related images or a mashup, which I think keeps us on our toes. And if we don't understand, like I said on Easter Sunday, if we don't understand, we are in good company. In this passage, it also says that those whom Jesus was speaking to did not understand. But what Jesus adds to these images is this, 
I am the gate. It can also be translated as I am the door. It was one word in ancient Greek, but we use gate because it makes more sense to our minds that it's a gate that keeps sheep safe in their sheep pen. And we shouldn't just gloss over this. It's signaled to us in the text that this is a really critical point that Jesus is making when he says, I am the gate. For one thing, it's set off by, very truly I tell you, that's a sign for us who are readers to get out our highlighters, or for those who are listening to pay close attention. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate. It's also supposed to jump out for us because, as we were also talking about in the last few weeks, it is one of the I am statements. Jesus says seven times in the Gospel of John, I am something. And I would say that this is the least familiar of all of these I am statements. I think we're much more familiar with, I am the bread of life, yes? I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd, of course. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine and you are the branches. But here, this this funny one, I am the gate. And of course, all of these I am statements reflect back to the much older story of God and the conversation with Moses in Exodus, which we also talk about so often. God says to Moses when he says, I need to tell them your name. How will I go and lead these people if I can't even say to them who you are, who sent me to lead them from slavery into freedom? And this is what God says to Moses. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I am is the name of God. He says, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered through all generations. When Jesus says, I am anything, he is claiming his own oneness with God. I am the gate. So we have to come up and puzzle over this together. We have to try to wrap our minds around what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the gate, and not let it just get rolled into the good shepherd. I'm not very familiar with sheep or shepherds, but I live with someone who thinks that she is. Anyone who knows me knows that I am pretty obsessed with my little dog, Winnie, and my neighbors, two of whom are visiting today, know that she's very poorly behaved. She has come to the conclusion that we are her sheep and she is our shepherd and that she was put on this earth to keep myself and Matt, but mostly the children, her little lambs, safe from all harm. Now, I had wanted a dog and tried to convince my parents, which rolled right over into trying to convince Matt that we should have a dog. So it was 30 years of negotiating for a dog before finally I went out with my four children And we came home with this little puppy, Winnie. She came through Safe and Sound Satos, a rescue agency that flies dogs from Puerto Rico up to New York City. It began as a team of two women, and they place dogs as fosters, which often foster fail, as we did with Winnie. And families so often 
keep them. So that sort of explains to you, I hope, a little bit why she is so spoiled. She came to us as a skinny little puppy with a big scar on her nose and quickly decided she was the alpha of the family and started treating us, like I said, like her sheep by counting us, circling around us, once she even put herself in the doorway and wouldn't let us leave. And then we heard coyotes howling in the backyard. So we have to give her some credit. So we did her DNA. And we're a little surprised to find out she's actually only just under 8% German Shepherd. But her personality, we think, is 100%. She naps during the day facing out the front gate. And when the bus comes home, she is parked right in this gap in the stone wall. She is the gate. If you are going to come to our house, she is going to make sure that you get through her first. So I do apologize for this reference to my dog this morning, a very silly and, yes, irreverent for a sermon choice, but I think it's been a long, long time that Christians have been wrestling with this comparison that we are like sheep. If we were to look around us, we are describing this space as the sheepfold, and we are these little Creatures who maybe aren't that smart and are very likely to just follow away set before us as we gather together in this place. It is, yes, irreverent and a little bit insulting. But I think we need to wrestle with it today because when Jesus says, I am the gate, and he calls on his relationship with God the creator, something important is going on here. Now, as Ariana said, that there were so many shepherds, and of course, a more established sheepfold would have had a door or a gate, but sometimes shepherds just made do with whatever they had, much like our Boy Scouts today making something like a lean-to. They would just pull together whatever sticks were available and themselves fill in the gap to protect the sheep on the inside. And so the reason Jesus is talking to these folks today and telling them this story is, like I said, we have to back up and read the story that came just before. It doesn't really make sense if it stands on its own. But if we back up and we look at this man born blind. Now, there was this person who used to just sit and beg. That was how the people knew him. He would sit and beg, and they, the people who passed by would use him as a subject for theological debate. And even the disciples, as they passed by, instead of greeting him like a person, they asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They didn't encounter him face to face as a brother, as a person. But Jesus doesn't treat him this way. Even though it's the Sabbath, Jesus takes mud and mixes it with his own saliva and smears it on his eyes, and he heals him. He tells him to go and wash in a pool, and he will be healed. But then the people who see that this miracle has happened also treat him like an object. If you loved this person, if you had any compassion for anyone in your community, you would, of course, celebrate that he had been healed, restored to wholeness, but instead they drag him before the religious authorities and question him. And what they do is they throw him out of the community. They kick him out of the temple. So first he is objectified, and then he is excluded. And it is into this exact situation that Jesus, who has gone out and found the man and continues to be in a relationship with him, explains this story. When Jesus says, just like when we say Jesus is Lord, 
It means that no one else is. Jesus says, I am the gate, and shows no one else is the gate. Have you heard the term gatekeeping when we talk about perpetuating systems of white supremacy, that there are people who have nominated themselves to be the gatekeepers in society, and they control access to opportunity, they, they control where resumes go and who is included in invitations. And it is gatekeepers who self-nominate, who perpetuate these systems of injustice. And it's the same exact way in the scripture that the religious elite, instead of loving everybody, instead of working towards everyone's healing and wholeness and restoration, had set themselves up as gatekeepers. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, he is removing all their authority, all of their claim to be the ones who can say who is in and who is out. He says a real religious community is one in which we are all held and beloved, and it's not exclusive. He's the only one who can say who's in and who's out, and what he says is we're all in. We're not to be treated as objects. We're not to be used. We're not to be singled out and exiled. And he doesn't even say that this is a closed community. He says there are even more out there who he's going to seek and bring in, who have not yet been included and enfolded into this beloved community, but he's not done working on it. So he calls those thieves and robbers who would set themselves up as gatekeepers, and he takes that job back from them. So this sheepfold as a metaphor for the beloved community is one where each and every person is included and loved and respected. And then the gate, we have to remember, swings both ways. In this passage, it's partly about including people, bringing them in, but then also that gate swings both ways. In times of danger, it protects you, but every single day, it opens wide and sends you out to explore the world. So Jesus goes out, and he finds this man, and he takes him from a place where he had been sitting in the dust and begging, treated like an object, but he has now this amazing new life. He's part of Jesus' mission and ministry in the world. Everything has changed for him. And so Jesus' last line in this passage, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, he's lifting up this man as an example of what it means to have an abundant life. So friends, what does it mean to have an abundant life? Well, for one thing, we can think about this man, but I think we have to think about our own lives as well. And I wonder what it is for you that, that is abundant living, what it is for you that is an abundant life. I wish that I could tell you that I know exactly what it is. I've been wrestling with it a lot myself, but I do believe that you know deep down in your heart what is abundant living for you. And I think we need to ponder that each day and each week, they say that how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Is your life one that others could point to and say is an abundant life? I think we need to be careful, too, to say what it is not. There are people in the world who do not have everything that they need. So for some people, you would say they're not able to live an abundant life because of the scarcity of resources. For those folk, first to them, for them to live an abundant life, there has to be more justice and access to what people need. But beyond that, for those of us for whom all of our needs are met, we sometimes could hear that phrase, abundant life, and think it's just more. 
It's just more of what we already have. It's more things, or it's nicer things, it's nicer experiences. That's not it. We could also look at very busy calendars and say, well, it could be more of that. An abundant life could mean just being busier, just filling up our days with more and more things. It's not that either. It's neither deprivation nor excess. It's neither being too busy nor being lonely. In many ways, it might be about striking the right balance. But each and every one of us is different and is in a different place in our own lives. And I think we all need to wrestle with this question on our own. What is an abundant life for you? I would also say it doesn't mean pretending to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean that you won't know heartache or hardship. This is not the good news. So we can, ex we can point to what it's not, what abundant life is not. But we have to wrestle and search for what abundant life is. So every day Jesus has kept the sheep safe in the sheepfold, and every day that door swings open again for the sheep to go out and seek the green pastures, to be led out, to be led beside the still waters, to have their souls restored. And Jesus doesn't stay at the gate. This is the beautiful thing about the blending of the passages, where Jesus is both the good shepherd and the gate, that having kept them safe and then opening the gate for them to go out, that Jesus goes alongside them. Saint Irenaeus said in the second century that the glory of God is a human being come fully alive. What abundant life looks like is you when you have come fully alive. I think there are so many ways that we get stuck like the man born blind, stuck sitting in the dust, sitting on our mats, not believing that there's anything more for us, not believing that we are deserving of being treated as more, that we should treat ourselves as more. We convince ourselves that we can just stay stuck. But Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So again, friends, what does that mean for you? What is an abundant life? Reject all of those things that it is not. Ignore any gatekeepers who would prevent you from finding it. Do not let it go past by. Go out and find those green pastures. Don't stay stuck where you are. Jesus will go with you alongside you to help you find it. And in so many ways, Christ calls us to be Christ for one another. Friends, you love so many people. You know when they have come fully alive. Help them to name it. When you see a friend of yours who has come fully alive, celebrate that with them. Lift that up for them and say, look, this is you at your most joyful, at your absolutely most alive, most abundant self, and help one another to live into that calling. So friends, may you find your way into lives always increasing in abundance alongside the Good Shepherd who calls you each by name. May it be so.